Welcome to On The Fly College Edition, a podcast presented by Playfly Sports. I'm your host, Gene DiFilippo. Playfly Sports is the full-service marketing and media company bringing digitally enabled innovations to the sports industry. I'm your host, Gene DiFilippo, and our guest today is a very, very talented man. He is a terrific AD, he was a terrific assistant football coach, and Terry Mohodger will be a very, very interesting uh, person to listen to today. So I'm glad that you're here. Terry, welcome. On the fly, Gene DiFilippo. How about that, man? His yeah. own podcast. I We're love on it. The I and, love it. And I am so glad that you're you're on here. Terry, take a few minutes and talk to us about, you know, when you went to Arkansas State, you played football. After you graduate, take us up to now because you've got a you've had a really successful career. Well, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna think it's funny. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. It's great seeing you, as always. And and uh, I we always don't get enough spend enough time with you when I see you at some of these uh, conventions and stuff. So uh, thanks for having me on and 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 taking an interest. Uh, you know, I, I it, it got I'm probably one of the only sitting ads. You were one as well. That was that played Division One football. Coached well, was Division One FBS, I guess now. Uh, and then sitting AD. So I, I think I owe a lot to my background, to be very candid with you. And, uh, um, you know, after I got through, I, I've always kind of taken the road, rest, the, the road less traveled, so to speak. Uh, I wasn't a highly recruited guy out of, uh, out of high school. I'm from Kansas City area. Uh, not very many people. I was on, I, I'm from the Kansas side. Not many people uh, go to Kansas when in, in the 80s to recruit uh football players right <laughs> maybe some basketball players but not uh some football players so um i ended up going to a junior college first butler county you probably i'm sure you recruited butler county junior college in your days when you're young coach sure did and uh we had a good team uh had a lot of good players there and i wanted to get re-recruited i i was from a pretty big high school and we platooned and so i played running i was a starting running back and i didn't think i was going to be playing running back in um college so I went to JUCO to play defensive back to get re-recruited. And so I did. I got got some offers. Ended up at Arkansas State with uh, Larry Lacewell was the head coach. It later became uh, Jerry Jones' director of personnel for 25 years, won all the Super Bowls. Uh, they haven't won a Super Bowl since he's left. Um, and, um, and then after there, uh, I got through playing a ball, and I never got redshirted. Um, I had a year left to school and I wanted to get an internship and Ray Perkins, remember Ray Perkins? Oh, sure. Yeah. Ray Perkins was the head football coach at Arkansas state for one year. And I worked. I did not Ray know that. And I'm, yeah. I'm after, really up on all this. After he left the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he came to Arkansas state as a head coach and talked me into working for him for a year. And, um, he uh, he he was you know obviously national guy was the head people that don't know who Ray Perkins is he was the head coach of the the New York Giants that drafted Lawrence Taylor pretty good huh yeah so, Bill Parcells right. took his place when he left when he went back to Alabama Bill Parcells took his place to the Giants um, anyway so I got the chance to work with him and 
he kind of got me interested in coaching, made some calls for me, made some calls to some GMs about interviewing. And, and I, you know, back then they didn't have computers. So I went to the computer lab, sent about 70 resumes out to all the coaches around the country. And uh, I happened to get uh, some uh, correspondence back from the University of Kansas. And I became a GA. Uh, and at that time, the NCAA was creating these quality controls. So they, they'll call them analysts now. Well, I was one of the first analysts permitted by uh, NCA purposes, and uh, they were, they called them quality controls then. And so I went there. I did all the you know we did a lot of the scouting, a lot of the prep work, and then then I moved on to the field, assistant offensive line, game day specialties, coach, and then I decided I wanted to get into administration. And Bob Frederick, you remember Bob Frederick was the oh. AD. Very successful AD at Kansas. Yeah, Kansas. And then I ended up, my first administrative job was University of Kansas. Worked there for uh, a couple of years. And then uh, ex-football coach, used to be the AD at West Virginia, Dick Martin. You may remember Dick Martin. I remember Dick. He was the head of the foundation of the school, University of Missouri, Kansas State, UMKC. And he says, we're starting a Division One program from scratch, taking it from NEI Division One. And do you have any interest? I said, you know, I'm from, I'm from Kansas City. Wouldn't mind living there. My my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, was working for an advertising agency. And uh, um, I went to go work there. It was the best thing I ever did because it taught me how to do everything. Fundraising, uh, working with polit uh, politicians, uh, municipal governments, all that kind of stuff. And so we basically went from NEI Division One. And that was a, uh, I was part of that, the tail end of that. And it was, it was a great experience. Was there for a little while. Then I went to, then uh, I said, you know what? It's probably time I need to go back to a football school. We didn't have football. And um, FAU, Florida Atlantic University, was starting a program. And uh, I was interested. They were looking for an external guy, fundraiser. And I applied and got a job working for Howard Schnellberger for seven years. So I look. I worked for Howard, and we the stadium project. I was integral part of raising money, and I was a point person for fundraising for the foundation, FAU Foundation, to raise money. And we built the project and worked for Howard. Loved working for Howard. One of my favorite people uh, in my whole in the whole time. I, I probably learned more from him than any other administrator I ever had or ever worked for. Um, and one of the nicest compliments in my career was. When he passed away, his family asked me to come speak at the funeral, which wow. was which was amazing. I said, "Well, who else is speaking?" They said, "Joe Namath, Jim Burt, John." I was like, "I'm not worthy. What are you talking about?" But they they wanted to that I couldn't do it because we were announcing that we're going to the Big Twelve that day. So I ended up sending a video, uh, and so at the time he didn't work, but it was. And then then I went back to the University of Kansas, senior associate AD, oversaw external. And then I got the AD job at Arkansas State, where I played, have been, and then now UCF have been an AD for almost a decade. Wow. Um, let's talk about how you and I came up. We came up different yeah. Yeah. than most all of the athletic directors today. Um, very, very few of them played football, coached football on the Division I-A level, and, and then became an AD. I know I'm prejudiced. But I think it was very, very beneficial for me. And I want to see if you agree with me, because 
it's hard to supervise coaches if you haven't been one. It's hard to know what the student athletes are going through if you haven't been one. So I thought that was a, a good way for me to come up. I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Terry. I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't have changed it at all. Um, you know, I, I actually, it's funny you say that. I, I have, I often worry about our new generation of administrators and why we're in the predicament of where we're in today. Um, because they didn't keep the main thing, the main thing. And as education, teaching, uh, helping young people reach their potential so they could have outstanding career goals. If you weren't intimately involved with recruiting, uh, you know, helping young people, you know, seeing all their issues, you know, you know, off the field, on the field, you know, the, just the maturity levels. I mean, they're your resource. They're your management. You know, you're, you're managing, uh, they're your workers, <laughs> so to speak. You're, they're your workers. They work their tail off their students, but they're, they're human beings. And I think that having, it, it allows you to have some compassion for what they do and what they go through. And then you got the other side of it from a student student athlete side. And then you have the other side of the coaching of of understanding the coaches' missions because ninety five percent of the coaches in our business, you know, that are probably over the age of forty five or fifty, got into it not because of what they're making money wise. I mean, it's because they wanted to help young people, and somebody impacted their life along the way as either a high school coach, college coach or a pro coach, whatever. And they wanted to do, they wanted to do the same and help young people that probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to get an education, but for their scholarship and whatever sport they're in. Um, so I think that's really helped me and like you understand and put myself in the shoes that you keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is students, student services. We often talk, Gene, a lot now about it, 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 it pains me when I hear uh, these young administrators saying it's about the students, student experience, the student experience. Oh, that's that's all that's all BS. It's about student services. OK, student experience is about what you choose to have. I've got we got five thousand students in a transfer portal saying their experience sucks at their school. So you know what? It's about services. It's about providing the services and helping young people get to an end. And, you know, a person like me that finished finished my eligibility and the head coach pats you on the back and says, good luck in life, kid, go get them. You know, understanding why, what, help, what helps shape your principles. Well, because of those, and because I wasn't prepared, because I had to send out 70 resumes, we created this program. It's 100% job placement and grad school placement program. We're the only school in America that does that, that guarantees jobs if you come to school here. And why is that important? It's because I was a student athlete, because I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared as a student athlete. I mean, I could, I mean, I had one skill and I could tackle people, and my coach probably didn't think I did a very good job of that. So, <laughs> no, that's not true. So, so you know what? I, I, I was, you know, trying to, trying to help young people uh, learn on the fly. And I think that, core principle in our everyday life has been shaped by being a former student athlete and a coach. And if we don't, if we don't challenge our own core principles every single day, they won't remain relevant. So we got to challenge our own core principles so they remain relevant. And that's why when I hear these young sports management, you know, degree seeking people coming up in our business, I, I keep telling them that, listen, 
make sure that you have some core principles of why you're doing what you're doing. And, um, and I, I think that's why I, you see that this is, we need to recalibrate what, what we're doing in our industry, or this is going to be, uh, you know, going to be a tough, tough deal to reel back in. It's really not sustainable. No, it's not. It's not. It's and not. we need to find a way to, to pull in the reins a little bit because it's not sustainable. Let's go back to Howard. Yeah. Howard was somebody that I always admired. And one of my best friends, Kurt Van Valkenburg, yeah. used to tell me all the time, Chino, we got this young guy and he's helping us raise money for the stadium. And he's <laughs> doing this and he's doing that. And Kurt and I played together at Springfield. We coached together at Vanderbilt. And he always used to talk about you. And he loved Howard. Tell, yeah. tell us a little bit about Howard. Well, first of all, Kurt Van Valkenburg was with him from, I think, Louisville and FAU and Oklahoma. He was with them right. Oklahoma. Right. And they were in Oklahoma Kurt, for that year. Kurt's one of the best guys in the world. He kind of was the guy that cleaned up everything. And Howard was a great visionary. And then, and then Kurt was this great uh, – Detailed guy, super guy, loved him. I had tons of I, – I learned a lot from Kurt, too. Really did from Baltimore. I had a lot of conversations. I learned a lot from the coaches, and uh, and uh, I was very lucky to spend a lot of time. But I used to drive Howard up and down the coast fundraising, and um, he he was – you know, with his stature, I think he had like 11 restaurants named after him down there, and every place he went, he was recognizable, and he always treated people with a lot of respect. Uh, he, he, he meant what he said. He said what he meant. He had unbelievable vision of where he wanted to take a program. Not only that, he was an outstanding architect of a program. And maybe that's what's helped shape me as a young administrator. I worked for some of the best architects in the business. Glenn Mason was another one that I worked for. He was a fantastic built programs. Howard built programs. Every place he went, he built. And they love to have the record that Glenn Mason had out of Kansas. Oh, I know. What a job he did. Yeah, yeah, and 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 also what he did at Minnesota, and uh, um, and so th these guys just really shaped. I mean, in just the level of detail in the way you treat people, the way you follow up. I mean, Howard, I would have to bring my coffee in every morning and sit next to his desk, and we would have to talk about, okay, where you, what are you doing today? What do you, what you know? So, I mean, he was even though he's the head coach. And I was paid by the foundation and I felt like, Hey, whatever. I mean, I'm what he was the guy that I took and I really took a lot of direction from him and I'd share ideas with him. He liked him. And I mean, just, I mean, just spending all the time and he never ever like, even if you had like a function, maybe you had like a donor function and maybe, or, you know, you had it up in West Palm and maybe four people showed up, you know, he'd say, how many, how many, how many, how much invitations you send out? He'd always ask and you tell him, he's like, that's best you could do. And I was like, he was like, Terry, as long as you tried, you know, he was always, he was good because he knew I was a hustler. I think he knew that. Um, if he didn't think I was a hustler, I don't think he would have had as much patience, but we were trying to build a program and uh, we used his stature to help with that. And uh, we had a lot of functions after practices in his conference room. And uh, he was amenable to do anything. And I was always kind of protective of him as far as taking him out of practice. Like I, I, we had to go do a donor function up in Port St. Lucie or something. Uh, and I said, Coach, they want us there at 630. Your practice doesn't end. It takes us 45 minutes. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. You, 
you you just I'll, I'll take care of practice. You tell me if I need to be someplace. And he was just just so good, so gracious. And and uh, you know, and let just, me say this. Yeah. The stadium that you guys built at FAU and starting that program from ground zero was one of the best jobs. Yeah. Um, it, really, one of the best jobs in, in the last 30 or 40 years. I mean, what you where you took that institution from uh, was just unbelievable. Yeah, and we went to a bowl game. We were the fastest program in the history of the NCAA to go to a bowl game. Uh, and we beat uh, Memphis in the New Orleans Bowl. And then uh, we beat uh, Central Michigan in the Motor City Bowl when Butch Jones was the head coach. And uh, I ended up hiring him later to Arkansas State. But uh, it's kind of irony. But, uh, um, but yeah, no, Howard was he, – he, he taught me also, taught me about how to evaluate coaches. And part of what I – how I hire coaches today is from the numerous conversations I had – with Howard, and he also had another guy, Kurt Van Balkorg as well, another guy by the name of Fred O'Connor. That you might know Fred O'Connor. He was the I do. AD at Catholic U and was at Villanova. He was the assistant coach at Villanova for a while when Howie Long was there and uh, and was, was yeah, I coached against him. Yeah. I was at Sun State when he was coaching at Villanova. Yeah, he coached the pros, and he's another guy that I spent a lot of time with and, and, and you know, helped me um, – really put together profiles of coaches to help be successful. There were profiles I looked for uh, to hire uh, in order to be successful. And, and those All guys right. were, let's, yeah. let's, yeah. let's stop for just a minute. Yeah. You have hired some of the best coaches in the country. I mean, you really have. First of all, tell us what you're looking for when you go hire a coach. And second, name some of the people that you've hired because it's it's been unbelievable. Well, of course, uh, Gus uh, Gus Malzahn, of course, Brian Harson, um, Blake Anderson, and uh, um, uh, Butch Jones was my my last one before I came here. Uh, and um, we were we were losing coaches every year, and uh, and I I think we had let's see they had Roberts, Hugh Freeze before I got there, Gus um, Harson, and Blake Anderson. So we had five coaches in five years. Never been done before in the history of the NCAA. And um, Steve Roberts was moved on. Hugh Freeze came in. He went to Ole Miss. Gus came in. He went to Auburn. Brian Harson came in. He went back to Boise. And then Blake Anderson was there. And he sustained – he was there for a while. So I we had – the coaches that I had while I was there, we won three uh, three conference championships in four years with – with three different coaches. I mean, that doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. And so, so I think it has a lot to do with the profile that I look at. It doesn't mean, and, and everybody says, well, you have your list, you have your list. Believe it or not, the, the, the list that I always had, I started with, I didn't end up hiring anybody on those lists because I learned this from Mark D'Antonio when I was his GA, when we used to re watch recruiting film, give everybody an honest evaluation. And you know what? You owe it to yourself to give everybody's. And I gave every coach an honest day's evaluation that was interested in our job. And I would start looking deeper and deeper. And I, you know, I'd watch film. I would watch their film. I would watch their chalk talks. I would watch how they handle media, their Twitter scout. I mean, I spend, I could spend at least eight hours on one candidate just watching all the stuff on what they do. All right. How what did you, what did you look for? 
I looked at how they communicate. Number first one, the first, first time I talked to him on the phone, I looked at him, how do you communicate on the phone? Because what's from a recruiting standpoint, what's the first thing? What's usually the first contact you have? With telephone. Telephone, right? So my first contact on the phone, and by the way, there's some sitting FBS head coaches that I interviewed that weren't very good on the on the phone that I, I, I moved on because I just they and maybe they were nervous. I don't know, but they just weren't very, really fluid. Uh, the other thing, too, is how you communicate, how you teach, teach, um, watching them on the board. And it, when you're when you're explaining your offense, your defense, uh, you chalk talk, how, how how do you teach? Listen, I've been hiring basketball coaches, too, and I put them on the board. Not that I know a lot about basketball. But if they tell me to teach them, their, teach me their defense, their full court pressure defense. How simple is it? Is it easy to learn? Is it easy to learn? And um, I think that's really important because you can have a great athlete, but may not be a good learner. And I have dyslexia, so I know it's tough for me. So, um, so I want to, if I can learn it and I can pick it up, that means anybody can pick it up and learn. And it's not always about how great of an athlete it is, you are. It's about how fast you can learn, right? People sure. people always say, you remember the coaches that you say, don't think, just react. Well, you have to you have to think to react, right? Sure. That's a bad coaching. So you in order to do that, you have to rep it, but you have to teach it well. So those are another thing. I like to I like to hire coaches that are at different levels, you know, that, that coached at different levels, high school, uh, junior college lower division one or division two that have one at every level. And then I have like about five or six other elements that I look at that, uh, um, that, you know, and, and the other thing too, is uh, I'm a little careful because um, I started when I was doing all these searches, I had other ADs call me and I recommended one. And uh, because I interviewed him, I really liked him. I didn't have a hire, but I said, this person's, I was on the fence. It could have gone either way. And they ended up hiring that person and they won the conference. And so, so I'm a little hesitant about always, I probably, I'm a little smarter now that I don't necessarily give all my, uh, all the elements and the profiles away. Um, just because I think it's, it can be, a, can be a competitive, it's more analytic, analytic stuff on, on schemes. And, um, and so I'm a little more guarded about that now. So that's, that's great. Yeah. Terry, as you were coming up, um, what advice would you give to a young Terry Mohajer on his way up? Well, I hear that a lot. I hear, I have these young, young, uh, individuals, men and women that want to, they always say, I said, well, what do you want to do? They said, well, I want to do what you, you do. I said, you want to do what I do? I said, you willing to do what I did to do what I do? They're like, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, what? They're like, what? I said, if you want to do what I do, you have to do what I did in order to do what I do. Are you willing to move your family five times? Are you willing to, are you willing to go take jobs that may not be that attractive to get better at your craft? Are you willing? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm not sure I want to do that. I don't think I want to move my family six, five times. I'm not sure I want to do that. I said, well, you just said, are you willing, you want to do what I do? But if you want to do what I do, you got to do what I did. So I think that's what my, 
I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, Gene. No, it does. It does, because I went through the same thing. My son, John, was eight years old. He'd already lived in four different states. Yeah. Now, I'm not bragging about that. No, it's not. That's nothing to brag about. Not at all. What my wife went through, moving two and three children all the time and going and, 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 and to a new place, I mean, that's hard. And, and, and it's in it, as you know, it's I say that not because we were bragging about it. It is to get to where we are and where you have been. It's you had to make moves, strategic moves for your career. Right. The best move I, the, I, I say this best one of the best moves. I left Kansas and went to UMKC. No football. So the, the, then I made another better move. I went to go work with Howard at FAU. But those were strategic. I mean, I. I moved my wife halfway around the country to Florida. We've never really been there. West Palm is like New York in the beach, you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, so we're, I mean, so that it was a lot of transition. And, but I did it because I knew I could get better. A lot of young people these days, they, they graduate sports management degrees. They want to be senior associate ADs right out of, right out of, right out of college, but they don't want to get better at their craft. They just yeah. want to have the title. Because you know what? They're smart and they have a good, they had a good GPA. But how do you get better? You got to be good at what you do as well. Well, in order to get good at what you do, you have to learn from different people. Right. And there's no real college for leadership, right? No one really teaches leadership. It's kind of a learned behavior. That goes back to our that goes back to our time as being former student athletes and coaches, right? You learn sure. a little bit more about leadership. Running sure. in the room, running, running special teams. You learn how to lead. You learn how to communicate. You learn how to look at people in the eyes. You learn how to have tough conversations with people. I think those are all things that you learn about. But these, a lot of young people don't necessarily want to have those conversations. They don't want to manage. They don't want to have to have tough conversations. But they still want to do what you do. But right. they don't want to have to do what they you did in order to do what you do. <laughs> you know what, um, Terry, it's funny you mentioned that. You said going to um, Kansas City, uh, Missouri, Kansas City, without football was a great thing. Well, I went to the University of South Carolina at Spartanburg. Yeah. NAIA. No football. And was there as athletic director for two and a half years because I needed to learn. I, you know, I had to be the business person. I had to be the fundraiser. I had to be the AD. But you, you, you only learn by being, you know, by working at your trade. That's right. And so, I, I, I understand that. I, it's amazing, Gene, and you, you, you've been in the search business as well. You've probably interviewed or been a part of interviews or listened in on interviews, and when asked tough conversations. And they, they may look great in the resume, went to a wonderful school, went to a great grad school, you know, have have a great pedigree. But ask real life in the trenches conversations. They have a hard time answering, don't they? Have you ever had experience sure with do. that? Huh? They sure do. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I when I hire people now, I have most of most of the people that I've hired. My, my senior woman minister, she was a division one tennis coach and head of academics at school. She went from a division one tennis coach. It was the head of academics at two athletic departments. I'd say she was in the trenches. Wouldn't you say? Yes. She's my she senior, deputy, my senior deputy athletic director, Rich Savosic. 
you may know Rich. He was the youngest head coach at St. Saint, uh, Francis in New York City. And he worked at St. Peter's. And he worked at American. He started North Florida's basketball program. He's a former fo- former basketball coach for 25 years. He was in the trenches. He played he played Division II basketball in the trenches. And so uh, my de- my deputy uh, for fundraising, he was a coach and played baseball. And so I think you can see my trend is I've got to have people to understand our mission every day, but also understand how to get stuff done. Right. And when you're coaching at a smaller level or being an administrator at a smaller level, you have to get things done. There's nobody to bail you out. And and I also caution people. That's exactly right. I also caution people as well. When you're hiring, when you're hiring people, (coughs) excuse me, when you're hiring people, don't hire them based on how good their 18 to 22 year olds are. Meaning, what I mean by that, just because they represent a really, really good brand doesn't mean they're very good at what they do. That's right. Very well said. Now, there's also a lot of people that are excellent ADs that also represent a great brand, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of good Power 5 ADs and a lot of good that do fantastic work. And yeah. so, um, you know, the guy that I – the guy I didn't know him very well, but I monitored him and I had spent time. The guy that I was always really impressed with was uh, um, Tom Jurich watched him yeah you were in the league with him so yeah i I was always just his trajectory watched him he was a former student athlete i think he might have coached maybe not but took programs Colorado state louisville did a good job you know those guys were really good and they always just kind of moved the needle you know there's a lot of people uh, you are too you're one of those guys too you moved the needle i watched you when you're villanova and you moved the needle and i think those are really you you can tell the guys that know how to you know, get things done. But you're right, going to South Carolina, Spartanburg probably helped you do that. Oh, it did, without question. But uh, getting back to Tom Jurich, um, you know, there's a lot of people that want Tom to come back to Louisville as the AD. He would be a fan. I've been reading that in the paper. Yeah. Yeah. He was was liked, I know. I mean, I don't really know the politics there, but my wife grew up there, and and my my father-in-law was the vice president there when Olson was the uh, AD. And so we, we follow Louisville a lot, you know, just because she grew up there. But uh, um, but yeah, no, um, you know, he, he surely was a, uh, a very um, strong AD. There's no question. Terry, you've had a lot of successes in your career, um, a lot of successes. What are one or two things that you're most proud of? That, that really excited you and gave you great, that gave you great pleasure? Um, I, don't, I, I don't know if there's one individual. I think there's a lot of milestones at each institution. Uh, and every school was a little different based on the culture. Um, you know, at Arkansas State, being able to hire the coaches and continue the success was really a big deal and building 90 million dollars worth of facilities in, wow. a, in, in, in in a town that people just didn't think could happen and we had we built sec type facilities sec and big 12 fight type facilities in jonesboro arkansas um i mean butch jones will tell you he's a tennessee is better than what he had at tennessee and uh, that was impressive i mean that was just 
and then those those facilities here obviously you know even though they had a head start and the bases were loaded the you know getting into the uh, big 12 was a big deal here um you know building the football stadium building the, being able to build a football stadium from scratch at fau is i mean that doesn't happen very often that was monumental but i'd say out of all the things that i do the building the facilities the hiring the coaches all the championships uh, you know, we had 22 conference championships at Arkansas State and seven more than the next school. Um, and um, is the life at the 100% job placement probably is the most monumental to me because I know where these kids and you know because you coached where these kids are from this from Mississippi and the rural Arkansas and their families didn't have two nickels to rub together. And but for their education, they would they wouldn't uh, have gone to college and being able to see their after they finish their careers they don't make it to the nfl or the nba sending me a picture of their office and their new job in their house and their babies what we just did was we broke the cycle it's not about what you look like it's not about where you come from it's all about your economics and you know what we just broke the cycle. You know what the greatest thing about, I always talk about, so during all the social injustice stuff, I said the greatest thing about a locker room is the only discrimination that goes on in a locker room is who can't produce. <laughs> right. 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 I don't care. I don't care where you're from, how poor you are, how much money. If you're from the country, you're from urban America, it doesn't matter. Can you help me get better? Can you help me get better? Right. Can you help us win? Can you help us win? So at the end of the day, when I see somebody send me a picture of their, their new house that I know, no way in hell out of high school could have bought that house. Their family couldn't buy that house. That's I get emotional. And that's when that's when you know you have an opportunity to change people's lives for generations to come. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Whew, I knew you'd be good. Holy cow. Oh, this is this has been great. Well, that wraps up today's podcast. Uh, I want to thank Terry Mohodger for joining us. He did a wonderful job. And you young administrators that are out there and some of the older administrators ought to listen to this because he really, really makes some great points. We're out of time on this week's On The Fly College Edition. I'm your host, Gene Filippo. Thanks for your time this time, and we'll see you next time.